Were you guys ready for the Word of God this morning? Okay, come on, get your Bible. You know what we do, right? This is a Christmas thing also, right? This is where Mary said this, and we're going to say it together. Say this with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do, and I'm going to do it. It was written for me, for my correction, my direction, and my soon-coming resurrection. Oh, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to talk to you about the open doors of Christmas. Some of my fondest memories from growing up of Christmas involved open doors. I'd never really thought about that until I started looking into this aspect of the doors of Christmas. And I have about 10 more doors. I should have started this back in June, I think, uh, that come with Christmas. But nevertheless, we're going to deal with three more today. Some of those doors that were open to me were the guests my mother and father would allow into our house on Christmas Eve. My mother just had it in her her heart to invite people. And I remember the neighbors who had moved in next door, and they were the Winger family, and he had had a stroke, and there was some paralysis in his life. And my mother went over on Christmas Eve and tapped on the door. They just moved in. Hadn't been there weeks, let alone maybe a month, I don't believe. And my mother invited them over, and she said, the face on them, how their faces lit up in the joy, and they came over and sat around the living room, the family room with us, and, and ate hors d'oeuvres, and just, just had time, and little sandwiches, and made their life. Now, the sad thing was they had family. They had family in town. Matter of fact, very affluent family in town. I don't know what the case was, but they were left to be at home alone, except for my mother, by opening the door to our house. I'll never forget that. Matter of fact, I wonder quite often as a numerous people that through the years that we've opened our door to, not just for dinners and not just for fellowships, not just for uh, friendships, not just for counseling, but literally people to live in our house. I wonder if that wasn't, wasn't somehow planted inside of me because of the hospitality of my parents and even of Gretchen's parents. I think about Christmases at Gretchen's parents' house. I don't have to ask if I can get in the refrigerator or the cupboard or wherever it may be. Uh, There's always open doors there. There's always open opportunities in those times. I think about the open house on Fifth Avenue South in Naples, Florida. It was that one night a year that Dad's shoe store that they would, with other stores on the street, just have an open house that night. And people could come in and shop from 5 until 9 p.m. It was after hours, but the doors were open. Normally, 364 days a year, they were locked from that period of time. That's when you locked the doors at 5 o'clock and you went home. But it was those open doors that it was just a sense of festivity. It was a sense of community. It was an involvement. Some people weren't even thinking about buying shoes. It wasn't about buying shoes. It was about just spending time with one another instead of working for and trying to gain a dollar. I remember that. I remember times of caroling. I remember my family just last year going caroling. You know, that's something you can still do. That's something that the people open up their door and you open up your mouth and you start to sing and you start to, uh, to bring forth that song and that Christmas story to somebody. How many of y'all remember caroling, ever going caroling in your life? I remember one year as a youth in a Lutheran church, we went caroling in the, in the nursing home and there was open doors all the way down the hallway there waiting to hear that sound up close and personal, open doors. The doors of Christmas, remember a door means an access, an access or participation. A door, literally the definition, one definition of a door is opportunity. 
You've heard that before, the doors of opportunity. I want to remind you as I go a little bit further and a little bit longer into this doors of Christmas is that it's an access point for you and I to be participate in what was happening in their life. You're probably never going to be Mary or Joseph. You're probably never going to meet them in, in the way that you see them in this story. But the reality is everything that they encountered is a God who still lives, the God who still is, the God who communicates, and the God who wants you to experience him. It's not really as much about experiencing Christmas as it is experiencing the Christ of Christmas. He wants us to experience him that you would get the opportunity. We talked about the doors uh, of, of prophetic fulfillment. We talked about the doors of, of the dreams. We talked about the doors of departure. We've talked about many doors so far. He wants us to ha participate and have the experience and the opportunity that they had. I don't know about you, but I want more of God in my life. I want to encounter more of God in my life. I don't want to just have the natural or the normal. I want to have the supernatural and the abnormal of God. Amen? Because there is only one of him and there is no other. And I want to experience the fullness of him. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'll be picking up in verse 30 of Luke chapter 1. Lord, I ask that you would anoint my lips, Lord God. I ask that you would release your thoughts, Lord God, and that they would not be minimized by my thoughts, Lord. Father, I ask that you would... Get to the heart that is open, Lord. It was even spoken by sweet Rachel this morning. Uh, the opening the door of our hearts. We open the doors of our ears right now. We open the doors of our eyes right now. Take us into imageries, Lord God. Come into our heart in fellowship with us. May it seem as if we're sitting with you and you're reaccounting the story and telling us things that nobody ever could tell us but you. I ask that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And let me just ask you this this morning. When you find something, or if you have found something, you most likely have been looking for that something, or you possibly just bumped into something that you didn't know exists, and you found out that it does exist. Perhaps may I ask you this morning, what are you looking for? What are you desiring? I remember before Thanksgiving this year, we got the family together in a family devotion and we prayed, but I asked them specifically, what would you like to experience this Thanksgiving that you haven't experienced or you would just like to encounter when the family gets together? And they started mentioning specific things that they would like to discover or experience. And guess what? A couple days after Thanksgiving, in another family devotion, they encountered and experienced the very things they requested and they prayed for. It's because it's what they were looking for. If you look for it, you'll find it. How do I know that? Seek and you shall find. I don't know what you're looking for, but I'm telling you there's more to see than what we've already seen. There's so much more to experience than what we've already experienced. He's a living God. He's a moving God. He's a working God. He's a present God. And I just want to ask you, to think like Mary, she obviously was looking for something, and therefore, whether she bumped into it or whether it was exactly what she was, I want to carry something for you, Lord. I want to make a difference, Lord. I want to realign the lineage of David. I don't know what she was saying, but somewhere in there, she was looking for someone and something, and he said, you have found favor with God. Is there the possibility that this could become your favorite Christmas yet? Could because the favor of God is on it and not just the flavors of Christmas are on it? Come on. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son 
And so call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him a throne for his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Man, that's a pretty good prophecy. It's a pretty good promise. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Now notice what she did not say. She didn't look around and look for the natural around and said, how on earth could this voice be coming to me? No, she accepted the voice. She wasn't questioning the voice. Matter of fact, she wasn't questioning God and his, and his uh, desire and his, his interest and, and his plan that he had for her. No, she didn't question God. She asked a question. She wanted to know, hey, listen, I've been a good girl. I've lived my life the way I'm supposed to live it. You're right. I've been seeking for something. You're talking my language right now. But I want to know, how is this possible? Because Joey and I aren't yet fully married. She was saying, tell me how this could work. In other words, she's saying, I'm open. You've got me. I'm listening. Does God have you and I? Are we listening or do we look around and try to figure out how we can work it out or how try to figure out how it could be impossible? It's amazing to me things that we find in the Word of God and things we hear in prayer, we look for ways to prove it not possible. Right. Instead of accepting and saying, now tell me how. The angel answered, I want you to realize when she asked this question, the angel has an answer. Not only seek and you'll find, but ask and you'll receive. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now listen, the how is more found than the who. You just got to turn the letters around a little bit. Same letters, a different perspective. If all you're looking for is the how and you don't know the who, you'll never believe how he could do it. He said, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, she's like, okay, you are way up here talking about stuff, uh, Holy Spirit. You're talking about God, and you're an angel and everything. Bring it down, would you? Break it down just a little bit. God has a way of breaking things down. He said, and now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this now is the sixth month for her who will be called barren. For with God, will be, nothing will be impossible. Let me just give you a little statistic here, if you don't mind. 70% of the world does not believe in Jesus. However, 80% of the world celebrates Christmas. I ain't talking to Houston right now. Christians, we got a problem. Christians, not just them, we've got a problem. No, you know, you need to understand. It's as if it doesn't matter to us. We're so, the, 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 the culture we live in is so self-centered. Just as long as I'm saved, everything's okay. But the reality is, how will they know if we don't tell them? 70% of the world do not believe in Jesus. 80% of the world celebrates Christmas. Friends, they done started stealing Christmas from us. I spent the better part of my week, actually most of my week in, in Denver, Colorado. 
feel sorry for him. It was cold. <laughs> and it was as if people felt the mandate, the responsibility, as if it was a calling to say specifically, happy holidays. As if they were so adamant about it, they were doing it so that they did not say, Merry Christmas. Friends, we've done been hijacked. The enemy is stealing what this is really all about. And then we're so cool as Christians. I told one of my daughters the other day, I said, you know what? We ought to put a post up. I was joking, but I said, Jesus is the reason for the season. That's corny. Now, you know, it, it, that's our problem with the Bible. Is it because we've read it before, now it's corny. Because the consumerism of this world that is robbing our Christmas story is robbing us also, and we're becoming like the rich young ruler. We're possessed, and we don't even know it. Now, we may not be having voices, but that voice inside your head is saying, shop, shop, buy it, get it. Oh, get two of them. Why two? One for me and one for you. That's not giving. That's grabbing. Amen? And somehow we're getting manipulated in the midst of this and thinking the way they're thinking now, when they should be thinking the way we're thinking. For unto us, not unto you, but unto us, a child has been born. We have a tr strong tendency in the Christmas story to believe the impossible of the one with whom nothing is impossible. What our tendency is, they've taken the word believe and put it in the Christmas decor. But you need to ask a person, believe what? Keep believing in Santa Claus? Or start believing in Jesus and for his cause. You see, we have taken a mindset. I'm not here to, to get up in your business or to get into your mess. But the reality is, we, we take a lot of things that literally are impossible and teach our children that they're possible when the reality is they're not possible. I don't care about the red coat. I don't care about the white beard, but a man that size ain't coming down nobody's chimney. <laughs> Today, they have slaves that look like Amazon vans. Really thinking that we can get these gifts everywhere at one time. You know it. It's childish. It isn't amazing that we would teach a deception and then turn around and say, oh, yeah, he's not real. But Jesus is. Excuse me? You've already trained me. You've already equipped me to say that, yeah, it's good. And this is what happens is that children start believing in Jesus. Then they get to high school or college and they go, he ain't real. Well, how do you know? I don't know. I just know from history that everything else that I believed in, everything else that I enjoyed, and everything else that was joyful, everything else that told me to believe, all of a sudden I get there. I don't believe it. I know I'm messing with some of your Christmas. I, I'm not. You can decorate with them all. Just tell them who he is. He, he is symbolic of this Jesus Christ, the Holy One, the giver of gifts, who's omnipotent and omnipresent. He's just symbolism of that. 
Just like the Christmas tree is just symbolism of the cross. He carried a green tree. Just like the lights you put on your house and all over. He's the light of the world. It's in the Christmas story. We just took these things, but just say what they are. I don't tell you the baptismal saves you, but it represents your commitment and your bearing of your old self is symbolic of your resurrection. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And abbreviated, Mary said, Amen, brother. She said, so be it. She said, thank you. She just said, bring it on. I'll take it whenever I can get it. I'm not going to go without it. Friends, we got to get a little more thank you inside of the house. You don't say thank you for what you didn't get. When somebody doesn't give you something that is meant for you, you don't go thank you. You say thank you once you've been given what he has for you. There ought to be a little bit more so be it in the house of God. There ought to be a little bit louder amen to the word of God. It was written for me for my correction, my direction, my soon coming resurrection, and my destiny that I could be a gift to somebody else to see who you've been to me. Now Mary arose in those days, and she went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. She thought, I'm going to go put my praise on. I'm going to pick up the speed, and I'm going to hurry up, and I'm going to put my praise on. That's why she went to Judah. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when greeting cards. You know when you get that card from somebody, it took 10 years to write it. It's kind of like Gretchen and I. We're about every 10-year Christmas card people. And I'm sure their spirit leaps. <gasps> they got another baby. <gasps> I think she's pregnant. Just a good greeting can release a revival in somebody's life. <clears throat> and she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leapt or leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's another door. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. By why, but why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy to the world. Verse 45. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. We've already been talking about the door of fulfillment, but I want to touch on the door of believing, the door of belief, the door of believing. Friends, the Christmas story is about believing. Don't let it be hijacked by symbolism, which could easily turn into legalism. The door of believing. Believe what? That Santa Claus is coming to town? How about believing that Jesus has come to the world? Jesus bled and he died. 
Jesus rose again and he's alive? How about believing that Jesus is coming back again for his bride, which is the church? That's what we ought to be believing and teaching. Amen? Mary believed before she conceived. I'm going to say that one more time. Mary believed before she conceived. You have been given the door of opportunity to believe. To believe again. Uh, this is a beautiful season to, to stir that up. People have a, an expectation of good things, of miraculous things. Some would say magical in the midst of it. But the reality is, he's opened a door for you and I to believe. Mary believed before she conceived. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. So you've been given and granted access to and the approach to the awareness of the door of believing. Door of believing. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divided the spoil. It almost sounds like constant Christmas songs. Have you ever notice that? It's like, joy to the world. And they just, it's one after another. They said they rejoiced, they rejoiced, they had joy, increased joy. It just continually that this coming to their friends. When Jesus came, he brought joy to the world. Flat out, bottom line, he brought joy to the world. It ought to be a joyous season. I won't go through the other verses till verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. You won't have to carry the brunt of that. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Notice here he says, for unto us a son is given. I want to emphasize on the word given. Some of this is given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now you start to see why there's so much giving. I don't fully agree with the concept that we shouldn't give gifts at Christmas. Everybody already has something. I think we need to get a little bit more creative with our gifts. Because Christmas is about giving. It's about being generous to one another. It's all built around that. Uh, matter of fact, those three kings, they came rolling into the story a little bit late. They come rolling in there. They still get to be in the picture every Christmas, but they're about two years out, and they come showing up. What did they have? Gifts. Nobody told them to give. They got creative. One had frankincense. One had myrrh. Uh, the other had aloe. I can't remember what he had right now. Uh, they just... Gold, gold, he had gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they came and they brought gifts. They gave something. Why? Because they're reflecting the heart of God. Because God just gave his son. Not only did he give his son, he gave peace, he gave might, he gave eternity, he gave all this. Matter of fact, I'm not terribly troubled whether the person I would like to choose to be in office is in office, whether that be publicly uh, here in our community or whether that be nationally, because I do know this. I have my right to position myself for what I feel is right, but in the bottom line, whoever's in office 
God said, only God appoints authority. And he tells me, according to his word, not to speak evil of dignitaries. We need to quit slamming and start praying. Feel like that statistic. 20% of the church believes, and 80% is like, well, remember, it was written for our correction. There's nothing wrong with being corrected. Amen? Let me share with you from my family's Bible reading today. We're reading the book of 1 Thessalonians. And I thought, how appropriate. Only you could have put us on 1 Thessalonians and have a verse in there that fits in the midst of the door of receiving. The door of receiving. You have the door of believing. Now you have the door of receiving. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with much assurance. As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Friends, the word was given to us. The word of God, every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, every time you open your Bible, it's as if it's Christmas all over. My mom said for years, and I was like, whatever, however, I don't understand what you're talking about, but you must have something going on with God. She said, every day's Christmas, Greg. Now I get it. Because every time I hear the word, every time I read the word, it's as if he's re-given to me. And even in the midst of my affliction, even in the midst of my sorrow, even in the midst of my pain, he comes with, it comes with joy in the morning. It comes with the strength of God. It comes with the power of God. It comes with the work of the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you the word of God is a gift even every single day. But I want you to realize there's the door of receiving That's what Rachel did. She said, he was knocking on my door, and I opened it up. I received him. I received him. Have you received Christ? And you may say, yes, I have. Let me ask you, when was the last time you received Christ? Because I got news for you. If Amazon, UPS, or FedEx showed up at your door and said, hey, we dropped a gift off here 20 years ago. Isn't that good enough? You're like, no, I want today's gift. If the bread man showed up and said, hey, look. We made a loaf three weeks ago. Was that not good? No, I want today's bread. Something got up underneath your tree. And it's the same thing they gave you last year. Don't act like you're going to be happy. You want this year's gift. Friends, we want the now Jesus. We want the in time Jesus. We want what we get now. We want to receive it. Are you with me? They received the word in much affliction. There's challenges that come with it, like instructions. When you open up that gift, you've heard it before. We decided we're going to get Spencer, Pastor Spencer, a tricycle. Be about 27, 28 years ago. I pulled it out of the box, and it said on the side of the box, made in America. Huh. Assembled in America. I got it out, and it's quite obvious. The wheels went here, and these little ones go back here, and pedals go on the side right there. And I took this pedal, and I tapped it on with a hammer because it wasn't going on real well and tapped it on. And, and, I, and then I looked over, and I, something just like jumped out of that manual instructions. I said, what? Do not use hammer 
tapping on pedals. You say, why are you looking around? I was wondering where Gretchen was. How am I going to tell her how this happened? Because that pedal wouldn't spin. It would, it would do this, but it wouldn't spin. You know how the pedal has to spin with your foot? So, Spencer, if you wonder why he walks like this, <laughs> that's how he got trained. <laughs> Live with it, son. Receive it with much affliction. John chapter 1, picking up in verse 10. For God so loved what? The world, right? He was in the world, and the world was made through him. The world did not even know him, did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Now, we, we have the combination here, or we have the contrast between believing and receiving. Because the reality is, the Jewish people believed and still believe there's a Messiah. Still believe he's going to come. And they still believe he hasn't come yet. So he has come to the world, the whole world, because God loved the world. But his own people did not receive him. You can believe and not receive. Then I think that might be one of the biggest things in life. Because I'm not talking about the one-time Jesus. I'm talking about the everyday Jesus. I'm not talking about the once-in-a-year Christmas. I'm talking about everyday Christmas because a lot of times we hear messages, we believe, but we don't receive it, and we don't receive the gift of it, and it's going to hinder our belief, and you have to have the believing and the receiving door. It's like, it's like one of those revolving doors. I was in Kansas, went to a conference. It was a worship conference. Mike Bickle and all those guys are there. This is years and years and years ago. And it was so good. I thought, I'm going to call back and tell our youth pastor and, our, and our, our worship pastor, you guys get out here. I'm buying you a ticket. Get out here tomorrow. And I'm going to bless them, and I'm going to take them out to dinner and just love on these guys. I'm so moved by God. The joy of the Lord is in my heart. So they showed up. Didn't have quite the budget I might have today. And they showed up, and I said, we're going out to eat as a steak. Gretchen and I was in an elevator one time. The man got in the phone and had his phone up. He said, we're going to go eat as a steak. I'm like, go eat as a steak. It's just like, we're going to go knock a cow down and just eat it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, and I remembered I was in Alabama. And I was like, okay. So I said, come on, boys. And we went out, and I asked for a nice restaurant. We went around the corner. I saw a valet car parking over here. Big revolving door. We went in, and they're about 10, 12 feet high. We walked in, and standing to the back, these guys had no clue, but I had a little bit of knowledge. Standing over to the back, nobody had been seated in the restaurant. It's 5 p.m., and there are people standing like this in position with white linen cloths over, white and black outfits, bow ties on. Well, I thought, oh, dear Lord. We have to pay for the clothes and the napkins and everything. The meal's going to be expensive. Now, I knew a little bit, so I said, <clears throat> can, I, can I see your menu, please? Showed me a menu, and I thought, hmm. That's what I was afraid of. No prices. Any of y'all ever been to those places? I said, boys, I'm feeling barbecue. Yeah, so we turned around and started, and they got to feel what was going on from that time, and everybody's still watching us. And we got in those revolving doors, and one went in, and another went in. I got in, we got in together and got stuck. And that door's going, do, 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 do. Felt like Mo, Larry, and Curly. 
Sometimes if you're believing and you're receiving isn't connecting and agreeing, one's going to hinder the other. Which one comes first? Whichever one comes first. Sometimes you might receive before you believe. Sometimes you may believe before you get to receive. But if they don't come in agreement, you're going to get stuck. You're going to be in a strange place between a door and another door. You'll be stuck. Came to his own, but the Jews, believing in the Messiah, did not receive him. Verse 12. But as many as had received him, as many who did receive him, to them he gave the right. One gift becomes another. You see, God is a giver and he's eternal and he's going to last forever and ever and ever. And listen to me, friends. Do not live under the spirit of, of poverty or the mindset of it. If he gave something to you once, he's going to take care of you again. You just got to keep believing and receive what he gives you. Don't start to tell him what he's supposed to give you. Just know that he's Jehovah Jireh, that he will provide for you. Amen? But as many as received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. He didn't just give them the right. He gave them the righteousness because they believed in Jesus. You believe in him. You have the righteousness of Christ. And they received the gift. They received literally the word of God. To those who believe in his name. So now you see the receiving connected to the believing, where the believing connects to the receiving. Because they received him, now they're able to more believe in him. You may say, well, I'll take Jesus, but don't, don't put any but to it. He will do something in you to cause you to believe him enough for at least tomorrow and the next week. And then the next month, and then finally you come to this conclusion in your life, he's good for the rest of my life. He is good for the rest of my life. He's my eternal Savior. I'll go on again and say, he says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You must be born again. The door of receiving is actually the door of salvation. You see, the Christmas story, for unto us a Savior has been given. A Savior has been born. A Savior has been released to us. Friends, we have salvation through Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, Jesus literally said, I am the door. He said, I'm literally the door. He says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. The door of receiving Christ is the door of salvation. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. You see, a lot of people are afraid of saying, well, if I go into this door and get saved, I'm then get put into prison and I can't come out anymore and I'm not even going to go back there and I'll be stuck. No, no, no. He says, you come in and then you can go in and out. You can live in the kingdom and minister in the world all day long. Matter of fact, when he comes into our heart, he did never intend for him to be locked up in our hearts. Well, me, me, me and the guy upstairs, you know, me and the man upstairs, we got our own little thing going on, our own little relation. That is hogwash. That's foolishness. We're meant to be the light of the world. 
Matter of fact, I'm thinking about going putting lights on my house. Because we are meant to shine in this world. We are meant to reveal him in this world. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Let's go quickly back to John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. John is telling from experience now. John may not have been at that manger and that stable in Bethlehem, although he was most likely living around that period of time, but just an infant. Matter of fact, if you stop and think about John, and you stop and think about some of the other disciples that are around Jesus, there's a very good possibility that they had some bad history in their blood because of this guy. Might have had a brother killed. Might have had a cousin murdered. Remember Herod? When Jesus was two years old, go kill all the boys. Yeah. There's a little bit more in this story than we stop and think about. But there's a good reason for joy to come to the world. Because they lived in an era, and their parents certainly lived in it, that things weren't too good at that time of year. It wasn't the best time of year. And there's a lot of people that are experiencing Christmas at this time of the year that need you to be, bring joy to their life. Because bad things, hard things, heavy things. I remember the Christmas. I know my mom is probably watching right now. I'm so thankful for her faithfulness and her loyalty, her love and her endurance to believe and to stay. But I remember that Christmas Eve that I went Christmas shopping and didn't come back because I started shopping for something else, ended up somewhere else. That had to be a difficult Christmas for them. That could put a bad taste in somebody's mouth, the loss of a loved one, a tragic event, whatever it may be, financial collapse, something bad can happen in these seasons. But who's going to bring that joy now? It's you and I. For unto you, I come and knock on your door. Unto you, I ring your phone. Unto you, I send you a greeting card. Unto you, I bring the joy. I love you. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I hope that there's peace in your life. I just want to encourage you. Friends, that's us. We could change somebody's history. We could turn their clock and make things good and not bad. Amen? The thief tries to sneak his little self up in the midst of all this stuff. You know, normally, a thief, the first thing they'll check is a door. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, now they just have to check front patios. Just come up there and take those boxes and run and jump in their car and drive off. But those packages are left where? At the door. It says sin is crouching at the door. So you need to realize these doors, as good as they are, that's most likely where you're going to find a thief. At your door of opportunity. At your door of access into something or out of something. You need to be mindful of your doors, of the activity that goes on around your doors. 
Yes, it may lead to Christ, but it could also lead away from him. If one thing leads to something, the other direction leads from something. But the enemy is going to check your knobs and check your deadlocks and to make sure that your doors are secure or not. Don't leave access or opportunity to the devil. It says that of Jesus. It said when the Satan was tempting him those three times, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, when he was tempting him in those areas there, Jesus resisted him. By what? The word of God. That gift. He used his giftings to drive away the devil. He submitted. And then when he submitted there, it said the devil left him. That's some pretty good news right there, friends. The devil left him for an opportune time. The devil left him until there was another door left open. The devil's at the door. He's at one side of the door or the other. He's waiting. Just don't give him an opportunity. Don't make a doorway for him. Don't let him have a foothold in the door. Amen? And the word became flesh, and they beheld his glory. I mentioned to you in the prior part of the service there that Moses asked God if he could see his glory. He said, show me your glory. Show me your glory. How many of all right now would be honest that there's something wrapped somewhere or hidden somewhere that's meant for you or expected for you, and you kind of would have already kind of told somebody you'd like to see it? Just be honest. Hands are going up slowly. They're looking around to see if the one that they're... Okay. The reality is we want to see it. We desire to see it. Moses wants to see what God has for him. He desires it. He says, show me your glory. When he revealed to him his glory in Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, he said, yes, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my, this is God's response, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So literally what he's saying is, I'm going to show you my goodness. I'm going to reveal my goodness to you. As I asked you earlier, what do you desire more, his goodness or their goody? You can have both, but you can't be anything without one of them. I'm asking you to ask God and knock on the door of his glory. Knock on the door of revealing God, reveal yourself to my family this year. Reveal yourself. Now, you may be saying, I don't know if I want to say that because most likely it'll be a really bad situation. You're going to have to show. That's fear speaking, friends. The reality is if you speak by faith, if a good or bad situation were to happen, still he will reveal himself. The end result is him. You don't know what's going to knock on your door this Christmas, but you know how you can knock. You don't know what's going to come at you. You don't know what's going to address you or confront you. You don't know what's going to bless you or give you. But the reality is, you can knock on the door according to your heart. I want you to reveal yourself to me. 2 Peter 1.3, as we close this up. As his divine power has given given us something to be received, as his divine power has been given to us all that pertains to life 
and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. When he's calling you, he's calling you and me to his glory. When he's calling us, he's calling us out of his glory. and He's calling us through his virtue. He's calling us into his glory and to be virtuous ourselves. You and I can be better people. You and I can be greater people. You and I can be better vessels. You and I can be greater ministers. You and I can be more than what we already are through Jesus Christ. So, I want to introduce to you the door of revealing, the door of his glory. We're invited to be partakers. Well, isn't that interesting? Even though we're over in Peter, we're still tying into the Christmas story because the door is the door of participation. And he said, you can come and be partakers in this divine nature. He simply reveals himself to us so we can reveal him to others. Now, I know that we have it written down that we love God and we love others, but the reality is God has revealed himself to us so he can be revealed to others. Bottom line. Bottom line. What greater gift could we give somebody other than unwrapping Jesus right in front of their eyes? So in closing, three doors. Receiving, believing, we believe, we receive, we receive, we believe. Out of that, there ought to come a revealing. Watch this. If the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and they beheld His glory, why can't we, the flesh, become Word, dwell among them, and they behold the glory of God? Be the fragrance of Christ to them. I don't know about you, but I enjoy the fragrances of Christmas. I really do. I think that's another hidden thing in the whole Christmas symbolism is the fragrances, the fragrances. As you stand to your feet, please. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, just like there was in the, in the uh, 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 early story of the message of Jesus, we find out at the end of this gospel, at the end of this age, there's going to be angels very active, very prevalent, very noticeable, just like there was in the early part of the story. God has spoken to us to believe and expect angelic assistance. That they'll be there to help us. The angel of the church of Philadelphia says, these things say... These things says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. Most doors in the safety and the well-being of that which is on the inside of them are only as good as the key that somebody holds. You see, that's the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door. I don't know that I've ever been more childlike, prideful, if you would. Kind of like a child in a Christmas play, you know, that has this one little line. Matter of fact, one of my daughters shared her line from Thursday morning in a, in a little Christmas skit, and it made the other one say, I have a scripture too. And she got up and she quoted a, seemed like a paragraph to me, because I'm pretty good at the Jesus web stuff, you know. 
For God so loved the world. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Families, I hope your children are learning the word of God because it is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. But they were beaming. They were excited. And I feel that right now, right now Mike. I feel that way. But I'm here to say to you, what angels said in the book of Revelation, under an unction from God, that I hold an open door to you. Not me. I'm talking on his behalf. He's saying to you, call your own name out. If I could call everyone out right now and say, hey, he's opening a door for you. I set before you, Mabry, Cody, Gretchen, I set before you an open door. All these doors that have been spoken of, they're yours. You know what I like? I really do like this. When they wrap that gift in a box, it has a lid on it, but they conveniently, for me, difficulty for them, wrap the lid too, and just set the lid on there. there. Ain't no tape. There isn't any pulling of paper. There's no ripping this off. You just take the lid off, and there it is. I'm here to tell you, he's already taken the lid off. It's open for you. There is a door to all these Christmas doors, and there's doors in there I haven't seen yet that are your door. This is your day. This is your moment. This is your hour. You heard the testimony of Corey and Hannah and somebody in here. Something started to beat in your heart, and you thought, I'm going to the nations. I'm going to go adopt. I'm going to do something great with my life. Friends, that was God knocking on that door. That was the testimony of Jesus Christ. And the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And he started to speak to that heart. And he said, beat again, heart. He said, breathe again, soul. He said, awaken you. I've opened a door for you. This is going to be your greatest year. This is going to be your most favorite Christmas. This is going to be the joy, most joyous season of your life ever. This is it. 